Hello, everyone. It's nice to see you again. I'm going to give this another shot today. Um, the 30-minute stream of yesterday turned into a good solid nine minutes, and uh, I'm excited. to. I, I did a bunch of tuning last night. I pulled devices off of the network. I've been running speed tests. I've been running sample streams. It's been like a laugh ride up in here. Yeah, so the, whatever the nine-minute live stream turned into like six hours of uh, post-production. Well, it also turned into two hours of me being just fuming sitting on the bed. It seems like bed. maybe a good day to talk about mental health after your little fume fest yesterday. I threw such a tantrum. I was so angry. Um, you know, it's something you, we prepared for it. I mean, it was a couple of days of work and we were geared up and it's the first one and you get, get a bunch of people on a live stream and then uh, it fails after nine minutes. It's like, I, but I did everything right, but obviously not. Yeah. So. so I think we're living in a time when lots of things are not going as expected. Yeah. There she goes. She's starting in already. I haven't even done my intro. So thanks so much for uh, for joining us. This is our second of many daily shows. Um, expect to run about thirty minutes. You know the show must go on, as we say. And I think I think we'll do a lot better today. If you are not in MicroConf Connect and you want to participate, you want to ask questions of Dr. Sherry Walling, uh, sign up for microconfconnect.com. We have a channel in there called MicroConf On Air. And that's where all the interaction and the, the discussion is happening. And I'm going to flip in there real quick as soon as I get through this. We are planning to turn this into a podcast. So there'll be, I think, five new episodes a week, but it does depend on how interesting the happy hours are. I think I'm working on the feed right now in Castos and uh, should have that out here potentially this week. Although I, I can see, I think I want four episodes before I go live because that's kind of the standard. So probably early next week, I'll have that in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places, and we'll be in touch. Again, as we dive in, special thanks to our headline partners for 2020, Stripe and Basecamp. It's an absolute pleasure, as always, to be working with them. Welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means, sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. So today I have psychologist and founder mental health expert whose phone is not on silence. <laughs> she, she, uh, it's Dr. Sherry Wallen. She's here for a conversation about coping with the stress of COVID-19, the current state of the world, how to, well, it's how to, how to stay mentally healthy, but also how to stay productive in these unprecedented times. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here, actually. Maybe especially after your meltdown yesterday. It feels like maybe we should talk about this yeah. directly. <laughs> I also am aware of the caveat of like, you only make the podcast if you're very interesting. So no pressure. In all seriousness, though, I think, you know, the language that I would use to describe what a lot of us are experiencing right now is mental load. There's extra things that are just floating around in our heads that are to-do lists, that are fears, that are worries, that are expectations that we may be placing on ourselves or other people. And it's quite burdensome. There's a lot of heaviness that I think is just around us in culture right now, alongside a lot of uncertainty. So I think a conversation about stress management and keeping your relationships as healthy as they can be is is, is timely. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing too with, with startup founders is that a lot of us have been working from home for years anyways. So 
I was kind of actually Mike Tabor and I were joking the other day and he said, I've been preparing for this my whole life. And I said, yeah, my life is no different other than the fact that my kids are home all day, all three of them. And so that has been a challenge. Literally five minutes ago, I'm running around trying to, to find a laptop for one of the kids. And, you know, and yesterday kids were making noise during the live stream, which I probably expect today as well. But so I, I don't know that we need to like the, the work from home thing, I think is kind of a solved problem for, for a lot of us. Except not exactly, because it is different than it was before. So yes, many of us have been working from home. Rob and I have both been working from home for a number of years and even have some experience homeschooling one of our kids while we work from home. So on the surface, yes, it's fairly straightforward and simple. But underneath the surface, I think, is the reality that all of us are more anxious than normal. And all of us have many more unknowns than normal. And that does shape how we work from home. It shapes our productivity. It shapes our irritability. It shapes how fatigued we are. It shapes how creative we are. So I I think it's helpful to just dial it back. And the things that maybe used to feel easy are not going to be as easy as they were three weeks ago or six weeks ago because of this like mental load conversation, because there's so many more variables at play than there were, you know, even a short period ago. Yeah. And, and Forrest in Slack in the microconfon air, he says, I typically work from home. So being quarantined right now isn't that much different, but I usually work from locations like Starbucks just to be around people. And I can't do that now. And I feel so isolated. It's, I, I feel the same way because probably once a week, twice a week, I go to a coffee shop, you do the same. You have your favorite coffee shop here that's closed. And you were going to like drive by today just to get to go coffee to try to keep them in business. Right. Yeah. Not, not to mention the fact that, you know, I have a pretty like rigorous workout schedule with yoga classes and like weightlifting and things that I do that are absolutely part of my mental health and physical health care that are no longer available. And I know everybody, you know, has things that feel different now than they did before. And most of those things are our self-care things. They are the things that we do to counterbalance some of the challenges of working from home by being around others, by, you know, moving our bodies, by doing the things that help us to stay healthy and fit. So because those are no longer available to us in the same way, we have to work a little bit harder to take good care of ourselves during this time. And so, I mean, I think we've, we've set up the problem here really well. Um, we've talked about it being a challenge, it being isolating. Folks with kids are now also dealing with essentially trying to homeschool them. And, you know, what's funny is we homeschooled for years, but we were set up to do it mm-hmm. and we controlled everything. And we picked the curriculum and we knew what they were doing day to day. But this now this sudden abrupt, oh my gosh, we're homeschooling three kids who the schools aren't exactly set up for. One of the kids didn't know any of her logins. And I mean, the first two days were just a cluster. So we've we've set up that, that there's an issue and that we're all, I think the whole world is kind of at a higher level of anxiety than we typically are. So what do we do then? Like, do we, do we just give ourselves permission to slow down? How do we feel okay about this? How do we reduce that anxiety or how do we live through you know, for us, it's at least the next three weeks with our kids here. And then I think for a lot of us, our, our day-to-day life is going to be different for potentially months. Yeah, I do think that's a helpful starting point is, again, you kind of said, hey, we've been doing this. We know how to do this. But like, no, it's different now. And everybody has to sort of pause and acknowledge that because that will help us to change our expectations to, to make shifts where we need to, it takes some of the pressure off when we're all just acknowledging like, wow, this is crazy right now. (laughs) Things feel really different. So practically that means decrease your expectations of what you can get done in a day. It means 
like really be careful about your expectations around what you are thinking your children will be able to accomplish in a meaningful way in a school day. Their school day is different. Their anxiety level is different. Your significant other, if you have one, all of us are going to be more irritable than normal. So number one, lower expectations, lighten your schedule, push out your timelines. Number two, be more intentional than ever about the need to take good care of yourself. So I know that, again, a lot of our normal strategies might not be available, but it means getting really creative about how you move your body, about how you, you know, help your kids move their bodies. So we're talking, we're talking dance parties. We're talking streaming yoga classes. We're talking, getting really creative things like go noodle so that everyone in the family is at least having some basic level of physical movement, because we know that that is one of the best strategies available to help deal with stress and anxiety and depression is when we're moving and, and really active. And that's, I mean, something we've been doing is if the weather's good enough here now to ride bikes. So, I mean, it's like in the 40s. So it's, it's Minnesota good. Minnesota good. Yeah, good enough to ride bikes. So I've been taking the kids out for short bike rides. And then I do this. It's so a little embarrassing to say, but I go to YouTube, I type in seven minute CrossFit workout. And it, it's just something, you know, it's something I can do to get my heart rate going. And one of the, one or two of the kids will do it with me every day. And they don't quite do everything right, but at least we're, we're moving around. And then what was that? Remember the exercise stuff that the kids used to do? Was it Go Noodle? Go Noodle. Yes. If you go to GoNoodle.com or the Go Noodle YouTube channel, it's not rigorous exercise, but it is something, you know, and, and there's goofy music and our kids have gotten old enough where now they're kind of almost making fun of, <laughs> fun of the music. But hey, if they're moving around, making fun of the music, like I'm, I'm okay with that. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've been doing things like dance parties with the kids, which is super, super silly, but that's the other kind of take home right now is the need for levity, lightness, play is different and higher than it used to be. And it's counterintuitive because we think, oh, things are really serious. We need to really prepare for, you know, potential catastrophe. We need to prepare our businesses for the economic sort of fallout from all of this. Yes, it's serious. And there's a lot of kind of worry and preventative action that can be taken. But on a very human level, all of us are deeply in need of some joy and some playfulness. So we moved all of the Legos into the living room and and just like it's been taken over with Legos for now. And I think that the need to be creative, the need to be to laugh and the need not just for children, but for us as grownups to be playful is, is really extraordinarily high. So I think practically that looks like, you know, busting out your guitar from college, like finding it in the closet and putting it out in your workspace so that it's accessible and you can, you know, work on that Metallica riff that you'd mastered 20 years ago. It's time to do it again. Um, maybe it means picking a couple of recipes that you want to make with your family that are challenging, that will keep you busy for an afternoon. Maybe it means working on your, your handstands if you're a yoga person, but picking a couple of things that are playful, that can almost be like a go-to project during quarantine that do bring you some joy and some lightness as a counterbalance to how heavy everything else can feel right now. Yeah. And something that you did that I thought was smart was you put something up for the kids and said, for each one, what recipe, like pick a recipe and we're going to make it, you know, whether it's a baked thing or, or not pick a movie that you want to watch in the next couple of weeks. And I forget what the third thing was, but I kind of want to do that for myself. That's what you're saying is like, do that for yourself mm-hmm. as well. Right. I think, you know, over when I think of the last week, 
you know, just over the past five days, we have watched more movies with the kids than we normally do. Like, and we made popcorn and we, um, we're just kind of taking it easy. I think that giving yourself permission to not need to be peddled to the metal and, and to be productive, like to be as productive as, as makes you happy, but like not forcing it because, uh, like Anar, my co-founder of Tiny Seed, you know this, but for streamers, I know Anar. but he, he just said on a call the other day, he was like, you know, if you need to take a day off or half a day off or just kind of don't work full time right now for a week, just, just do that. Like we're okay. And, and I think, Oh, I even think like in at least two nights in the past four, I have ordered dinner out, right. I've ordered delivery through Uber Eats or, or Bite Squad. And I did that for two reasons. One, because I don't think you and I felt like cooking Two, It's kind of a nice treat to end the day. And three, I did it from local businesses, right? I did not do it from chains. And I'm, I kind of want to help these keep these businesses in business right now. So obviously you can't do that every night. It's not the most healthy thing. It's expensive on and on and on. But I have been giving myself permission to kind of chill out a little bit and just, you know, let the, something, we need some type of pressure valve, right? Pressure release valve. Yeah. Thinking about like the length of the workday too, I- School, whatever, is six or seven hours. Most of us still kind of practice this default eight-hour workday, neither of which is probably necessary at this point. I think this is a great time if you haven't done so already to like to look at Cal Newport's work around deep work. Most of us can do most of what we need to do in a focused four hours. And then there's a lot of like superfluous stuff that we sort of spend time doing. So I, I think this is like really a, an interesting challenge too, for many of us to think about being more productive in a shorter amount of time, rather than letting the tasks expand to fill a traditional workday. Same with kiddos, like kiddos can do most of their schoolwork in three hours, you know, is our experience from homeschool, like a really solid amount of good learning can be done in three hours. And then there's lots of playtime. And so I think if everyone just, again, dials back those expectations about how long you need to be productive, you don't need to work an eight hour day. I promise you probably don't, but be really, really focused in on those four hours. And that's a good point of communication with your significant other. You know, Rob and I do a lot of switching back and forth in terms of like, who's on call for the kids right now. Cause when I'm working, when I'm doing consulting work with a client, like I can't be interrupted. So we have this practice of sort of deep work and then covering each other when the other person is, is going in on their work process. So again, dialing back the hours that you think you need to be butts in seats to be working effectively and realizing that probably most of what you need to get done can be done in a shorter period of time. If you're more focused. Uh, Ying Wang says, I think my problem is internalizing the message of you don't have to go full force right now. You can kind of, you know, back off a little bit on productivity. He said, personally, I understand the message, but emotionally, it's hard to accept after hard charging for so long. Which is where you can be intentional about how you fill that time. So whether it's picking up a, a play practice or whether it's even observing the people around you who might be in need of more help. I know I've been spending like a lot of time on the phone with my mother, texting friends whose businesses I know are more significantly impacted than mine. It can be a time to use some of that extra time to really pay more attention to what's going on in the world around you. And I don't mean be on Facebook or read the news, but kind of make a list in your head of the people in your life who might be more lonely or isolated who might be um, more stressed or more financially vulnerable, you know, kind of think about 
who needs what and see what you might be able to offer either in terms of practical help or just the social emotional, Hey, let's hop on zoom and chill out for a little while. That's that can fill some time too. Yeah. Wow. Producer Xander in the, in microconf connect said, connect folks. What are some things that y'all are trying to do that focus on joy right now? Ying Wang says, I sing along to Spotify we have doing more journaling. We have the song, I Don't Care by Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber. Tracy Osborne from Tiny C Microcom. She says, so much cooking to fill my freezer satisfies my hoarding instincts. Give me, it gives me hours in the kitchen being creative. And that's, that's, that's a good one, actually. Um, when I have cooked this week, I've really gotten into it and, and enjoyed it. Uh, let's see, we're playing board games. We've been doing a lot of that, actually. Ooh, and pool. That's cool. Routine exercise, Bible reading, work. Yeah, I actually broken out because you know I have a stash of like board games that I that are brand new that I never showed. Stash is a really generous term. Hoard, like a warehouse. A warehouse of it. So I have don't this, open any cupboard in our house because you'll get killed by a board game. I have this problem, and it's called Kickstarter. And I have backed. I'm I, glad we're talking. About I believe two hundred. This is my mom. This is an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> All right, indulging in chocolate. I actually got some chocolate when I went to the store this morning. So Xander says I took pandemic. Oh yeah, that board game pandemic on a cruise back in October feels so wrong these days. But see, in pandemic, you're fighting against, you're trying to cure it. So I actually yeah. think you're on the right side. It's it's plague, which is the one where you're the disease that I think is yeah, a little rough these days. Question from YouTube from Josh Manders. What do you do when you're burnt out and spinning gears but can't really take a break because I just started a new job? So what do you think about that? He he's started a new job, you know, wants to make a good impression. But he's feel, you know, like most of us, a little stressed. He's maybe burned out and spinning gears, as you said. Yeah, I might challenge the assumption that you can't take a break at all. Because if you're spinning gears, you're probably not working super efficiently. So maybe it's possible to give yourself a little bit of here but not here time where you are resting mentally and emotionally. But because you're well rested, you're then able to get your work done faster I also think that there's like practically a lot of employers are, I think, increasingly understanding that people's work schedules and work lives are shifting a little bit, especially as people are working from home. So it might be actually more fine than you realize to say to someone, I am burnt out or I have all of these other responsibilities that are taking a toll on me right now. I need to you know, adjust my schedule to take four hours off on a Friday. I'm hopeful that if nothing else, we're learning as, as a collective that we can be more gracious with each other. It might be more okay to take the help or ask for the help that you need than you realize. Thousand piece puzzle from Tony. Or John Hart said, we've been riding bikes and hiking with the kids. I love the puzzle idea though. Yeah, we do have a luxury. I mean, hopefully if you're able to get out, you know, that a friend of mine had said that some people where he lived were like keeping, literally keeping their kids indoors but I don't personally think that makes a ton of sense. Like we live across the street from a lake and like, it just don't be around. Right, I think if you're in like high density urban environment yeah. then you have different yeah. restrictions or expectations than we do here in right. Minnesota. Right. So if you're able to get, I mean, I think that's a big thing. It's like, don't stay indoors at this time, right? Get out and do some activity. I think it's really important to be openly talking amongst the grownups and amongst the kids about how it feels different. You know, I know all of our children have been more stressed than normal and to give them some language for, hey, even though it's frankly in some ways kind of fun that you're staying home from school, the change in the schedule is different and that brings with it a little bit of stress for everybody. So calling it what it is, 
really talking about emotion language with kids helps them to be able to express themselves when they're feeling off, but don't necessarily know why. And even that language of like, I'm feeling off and I don't know why can be really helpful to, to give to children to begin introducing into your family if you're not doing that already. Yeah. And I think, and, and, you know, even if you don't have kids, I think I have absolutely noticed in myself that I am, I have a shorter fuse. I'm getting frustrated quicker. And I also, while I'm not, I'm not trying to burn the candle at both ends or work long hours, but I'm finding that when I'm not working, I am having trouble finding like, what should I do? I need to occupy occupy my mind such that I don't pick up my phone and look at Twitter, you know, because that's not help for me. It's not helpful right now. So I have, like you said, picked up some old hobbies. I've been buying more, some fiction audiobooks, which I never do, but I just need it to not be business right now. I actually don't want to hear about startups right now. You know, I don't want to hear about the next tactic and the next whatever. I kind of need to de de work, which is unusual for me because typically I just think and do a lot of work, you know. Yeah, all of us need a little bit of a brain break more so. often than we used to. Cool. Anything else? I know you've been doing, you've been called on more webinars this week than like any week in the past year. And it's because of this, right? People are like, I want you yeah. to come on and like calm, calm down my people. What um, do you do? Any other kind of common, yeah, common things, whether it's advice or whether it's a framework to, to think about this, common things you can say. Especially for entrepreneurs, for the folks in the microconf crew, we, I'll put myself in this club, we are all pretty used to being able to control a number of aspects of our lives. We've taken on the responsibility, right, of maintaining control of a number of aspects of our lives. And so this disruption in what's controllable on this global scale is really uncomfortable to a lot of us. And I think one counterbalance to that is picking a couple shorter term things that you can control. So maybe that's your play project. Maybe that's your cooking project. Um, Or maybe it is a smaller, very sort of time limited, finite project that you can accomplish in a four hour block. That kind of, I set out to solve a problem and I I solved it in one day. That kind of completion feels really, really good in our brains right now, especially because there's so many things that we just can't do very much about. So I would I would ease off the pressure to be strategic about being able to pivot and adjust to new, you know, challenges in the market or whatever. Like just keep it very simple and find a few things that you can meaningfully do that help to move your business forward and maintain your business. Find a few things that you can meaningfully do that help you feel, you know, good and grounded in your own mind and in your own family and, you know, focus on what is directly controllable to you. Very nice. And we have another question from Andy W in Microconf on air question is any advice for helping older family members cope? We had a heck of a time convincing parents to take matters seriously and take appropriate precautions. We had to balance waking them up with not scaring them too much, and it took every ounce of our patience. Now we are trying to manage keeping them active while they are cut off from their activities and social groups. So we all have, you know, or, or a lot of us have uh, aging parents that may or may not take this seriously. Yeah, this is relevant for both of us. <laughs> Maybe take it too seriously, maybe not take it seriously. And now, We're all yeah. across the spectrum. Yeah, I had this whole long conversation with my mother and she refused to stop going out until the governor of California ordered everybody who's 65 and older to, to sort of shelter in place. Yeah, I think it is a time for really open conversation. 
It's also a time to up the level of, of FaceTime or phone calls, more support. The mail is still going. You can send cards. You can send, you know, magazines and puzzles. You can even do a couple of projects over FaceTime, depending on how, you know, tech accessible or tech savvy your parents are. So I think for, for our families, it's meant just more contact, more checking in more expressions of, of love and support while also saying, Hey, thanks mom. I'm super glad you're staying home. It helps me to sleep well at night. So open conversation with a lot of emotional connection. Yeah. And you've been doing a good job of at least once a day, you get one of the, you get someone in the family to FaceTime your mom, right? One of the kids or you or something. And I think that's like, we live in an amazing age to be able to do video chat, you know, for free in essence. And this is the time when I think it's, yeah, my, my mom may not like it that much, but I like hand the kids my phone and say, hey, FaceTime grandma while you practice your cello or something. And yeah. So I think it's, it's connection, right? All right. We're heading towards time, but Ken Wallace had a question. <laughs> he says, hypothetically asking for a friend. I like that. He says, question, any tips for folks working from home with a healthcare worker spouse who must work outside of the home? For context, you're worried all the time they're gone. And conversely, you're worried what they might bring home to you and the kids. Also, you're unsure how to support them as they come home with stresses and fears and insecurities of their own, and frankly, health-related information that may inadvertently add stress, like things that are happening on the front lines. So again, yeah. yeah I have a lot of empathy, Ken, for this situation. I know lots of families that are in this situation with healthcare professionals in the family. I think really helping Val, hi Val, <laughs> <laughs> um, or hypothetically anyone who may be in this situation, find ways to, to cope and transition well. So I know when people come home from work to give them a little bit of a buffer to, to take a shower, to write in a journal, to reset, to have a moment to make the shift from a pretty high intensity, scary place that they've been to being able to come home. And unfortunately, if you're the spouse who's who's working from home, that is, you know, there's no way around it just being a lot of burden on you to be able to manage what's happening at home, but then also try to support your spouse. I think that transitional time is really important, the space to, to make the transition at home. And then to constantly be in discussion about what do you need? What do I need? You know, I think there have been times even in our relationship where I've said, hey, it's not really helpful for me to hear a lot about the ups and downs of the business because it's really stressful for me and there's nothing I can do about it. So there might be a place to say that, you know, if you have a healthcare spouse and you're like, hey, I'm just absolutely overwhelmed by how much you're carrying. Can we find another outlet for you or find someone for you to talk to about those things. There's a lot of online therapeutic resources right now, whether it's Talkspace or, you know, lots of resources for people to say, hey, I just need to vent and maybe not to the spouse who's working from home. So I have a lot of empathy for the situation and I think it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. But reaching out and asking for help and finding resources for people to just vent is going to be helpful and important. Yeah. Ken had a follow-up. We're running short on time, but you think you have a lightning round uh, answer for this. He says, any advice on how to have a discussion with our kids of varying ages as they have questions surrounding what's going on and why we're hunkered down at home? What the risks are, et cetera, for example. We've had so many conversations about death that we otherwise do not have. You know, I think this is a really nice time to have a conversation about how we all band together to protect people who are most vulnerable. 
I mean, thankfully, in our conversations with children, we can be upfront about the fact that kids aren't really getting super sick from coronavirus right now. So what is being asked of us is to stay home so that we don't spread the virus to grandma and grandpa. And I think, you know, kids generally can get behind that they've got a mission and we need their help in accomplishing the mission. So you don't have to go to the sort of death conversation, but we can go to the conversation of we want to we want to help prevent the likelihood that the grandma and grandpa are going to get sick. So we're going to take these actions so the virus stops dead in its tracks. All right. We are at time and I want to be mindful of your time every day as we do this. Thank you so much for showing up. And thank you, Dr. Wallen, for taking 30 minutes out of your day. I'll send you a bill. I I know you will. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us. And uh, I hope to see you here tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.